You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. What lies beyond the source wall? We're going to find out today on our episode of Systematic Ecology because we are the priest of the geeks and we're going to be discussing the DC universe and its cosmology from the creation of the DC universe as in its own world all the way down to the Greek gods and the new gods and everything else in there. And by we, I mean, of course, not just me, Christian Ashley, but our special guest here, Kevin Schaefer. How are you doing, Kevin? Christian, doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on. I uh, This is now, I, I've lost, I forget what number episodes this has been on the show, but I love doing it. Good friend of Will Rose. Um, I'm a writer and podcaster here in North Carolina and big in the NC Comic-Con scene. I'm a big DC fan, so I'm uh, excited to talk about all this. Excellent. So, Kevin, what have you been geeking out on recently? Well, I'll do one in a minute that ties very much in this episode. But first, one I'm reading right now that um, partly I picked it up because Mark Bagley is going to be a GalaxyCon. And Ultimate, my local comic shop, had a big display of books that, of like by creators that um, will be there at the show. And so one I picked up, like I had seen this a while ago, but I didn't really know what it was exactly. And Have you heard of Spider-Man Life Story by Chip Zdarsky and Mark Bagley? I love Zdarsky. Yes. If there was anyone I wish was writing that main book right now, it'd be him. But unfortunately, we live in a world where Wells exists. Oh, yes. I don't even want to get into that. But like, Uh, yeah, we have better things to talk about. Really? Oh, yes. But I would you're totally right. I would love for him to have a full Spider-Man run. But um, for listeners who don't know, Spider-Man Life Story is a six issue um, series that covers the entirety of Peter Parker's life. But the idea is that instead of the traditional comics continuity where, you know, Peter Parker and so many other legacy characters basically stay the same age for an eternity. Like, I mean, he doesn't look any different now in um, 2023 than he did in the 60s. What this book does is what it would be like if we cover kind of the events of Spider-Man's life and do it in an actual chronological order and have him age and have him get on. And so each issue is um, is a decade. So like, um, so the first one takes place in the 60s and 70s and so on. And so... It does sort of an alternate take on the events um, of Spider-Man's life, but while still bringing in familiarity. And like, it's one you don't have to be versed in the Spider-Man mythology to enjoy. Um, And I think if you are, it adds a really fun layer to it. Um, But even if you're just sort of a casual fan, um, it's a really great book. And uh, the art by Mark Bagley is phenomenal. The writing is just superb. And, And if you look at Zdarsky's writing, you might expect this book to be like more funny and zippy and it's not that at all it's very much a like hard character look and i mean just you know the the first issue um is a, peter questioning whether he should go to vietnam or not and like flash is going over there and then um and then it does the death of gwen stacy um and, and then like um and then he's like mary Jane, all these events but what's really cool is again you're seeing it play out in real time so you actually see this full um, what it would be like if like Peter Parker um, was aged normally and didn't wasn't rebooted every um, you know few years or anything like that you know and like and it, basically it's, it's like without traditional comic stuff it has like just a full linear story um, and and as a result you also see the other characters like villains and um, other superheroes age and uh, it's just I am loving it I, I read the first half of it last night man finish it up tonight but um it is a phenomenal book i highly recommend um just the arting art and writing are perfectly in sync with each other um and it really is one i think i'll be thinking about for a while after because again it's just that kind of like i like that kind of like gritty take and um something that's really nuanced so loving that and then one briefly to tie into this episode um that i only found out on it the other day when i was i talked about on a previous episode that i'm watching my my adventures with superman which I highly recommend. And while I was watching that, an ad popped up on Max said, um, DC su- or Superpower, the DC story. I'm like, what is this? It's, this is a three hour documentary series about the history of DC, particularly when it comes to creators. Highly recommend again, again, it's called Superpower, the DC story. And it's a three episode docuseries on Max. All right. Excellent choice. Well, you mentioned mine briefly of what I've been getting out on recently. And that would be the event, my adventures with Superman. So good. And, 
uh, as a reimagining, I really like it. Like it's not trying to be the original. Like they've made that sure. It's like, hey, we're having our own universe separate from if we were trying to do like say what Superman the animated series did instead, uh-huh. Uh-huh. or the original comics as it were. Uh, so I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, latest episode I just saw with Lois, like like four episodes in, figuring almost figuring out. We don't know for sure. Right. Probably she's right. figured out that Clark is Superman, and they've shared their feelings with each other. Now is she going to feel betrayed or what happens there? I, I'm so in for that. Uh, if you're not watching that, guys, go out and watch it. It's very genuine. Uh, and me too. I love all the anime references they're doing as well. We've got some Dragon Ball stuff. We have. Uh, basically, Parasite was almost like uh, Unit One from Evangelion, mm-hmm. and uh, man, I'm loving that show so far. It's fantastic. I mean, I I also touched on it briefly on a previous episode, and yeah, it's definitely a heavy anime influence. I really like that Clark Lois and Jimmy are like college age interns um, at the Daily Planet, um, so they're very. But I also too love that Lois is like it's already touching on that, um, but in a really smart way, and like and yeah, it yes. doesn't give it definitively like. Is she going to definitely find out or is she just guessing? And is he going to try to like um, spin the narrative and make her think otherwise? We'll see. Um, But no, I am thoroughly loving that show as well. All right. Well, let's get into the meat of the issue here. And that, of course, is our cosmology for the DC universe as a whole. Now, before we get into that, though, Kevin, what was your introduction to DC? Was it a cartoon? Was it reading the comics? What have you? So I think I told this multiple times on different podcasts and panels and whatnot, um, but being born in 93, um, I grew up on Batman the Animated Series and all of the subsequent shows that um, that evolved from that. So Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Static Shock, uh, Batman mm-hmm. Beyond. That was m- very much my introduction and um, I could not have asked for a better one, really, um, because <laughs> that is just Absolutely. like, I mean, if you want to talk about a prime example of like... Um, the best of the DC universe and the best stories, the best animation, the best voice acting. Um, all of those shows are just fantastic. And so that was very much my gateway into the DC universe. And then from there, um, I had read some comics here and there, but really um, the book that did it for me was Batman Long Halloween, um, which mm. I read in middle school. And that set me on a trail of reading um, all of the big Batman graphic novels. Um, probably read year one in Dark Knight Returns when I was too young. But, um, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, my, my parents just saw Batman. They didn't really uh, look to see the content in there. Um, How could they know? So, exactly, exactly. So I, by the time The Dark Knight came out, um, I was I had read some of the big heavy hitters like that. And so Batman was always my favorite. I was consuming his stories avidly. Uh, but then that also led me to, like, Watchmen and Superman for All Seasons and All-Star Superman. And, again, all of the big ones for a while. Um, and then I, later on, um, really jumping into a lot more stories. And um, I was also the perfect age for when New 52 came out because okay. um, I was a senior in high school. And prior to then, I hadn't collected um, comics in regular issues because like, I didn't have money to. So I would just like I would just get trades here and there. Um, and but that was a perfect jumping on point. And so um, I was so the first like regular series I was collecting was like, um, Jeff John's Justice League, um, Snyder's Batman, um, Green Lantern, etc. Um, a lot of those. So New 52 was a great, I know it has like all kinds of opinions from people like anything in the DC <laughs> universe, but, yes. uh, but for me, I have very fond memories of it. And um, there are some great stories that came out of that, um, that reboot. And then, um, so I was collecting that Dark Odds and then that went into Rebirth and then, you know, many others. And so, um, so I've touched on a lot of different DC um, both in the movies, shows, comics, all over the spectrum. But uh, but I especially love the animated series. Um, you know, I love, of course, Christopher Reeve movies, the Michael Keaton one, Batman, and um, and of course, Dark Knight trilogy, all of that. Um, and Arrowverse was also a big um, point for me, like throughout college and after I was really invested in that for a while. And I've now actually been re-watching Arrow because it's been so long. Um, and also, I'm, I'm planning on meeting Stephen Amell at GalaxyCon, so I'm looking forward okay. to that. Um, and so that's been really fun to revisit. So DC, I definitely have a long-standing history with, and uh, I've been able to I, like touch on all different areas of it in different media. Yeah, for me, I was uh, I've always been more of a Marvel guy, but at that mm-hmm. same time, growing up, uh, I'm a '90 baby, mm-hmm. and like '90, not '90s. And sure. I grew up watching 
Spider-Man the Animated Series, X-Men yeah. the Animated Series, uh, Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series. Then from there, growing up, and like you said, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman Beyond, Static Shock, and then into Teen Titans. And it's when I got there mm-hmm. that I actually – because I would read several Marvel comics at that point because like Spider-Man is my number one. That's why he's my avatar. Yeah. So I'd read some of his stuff, Marvel team up, all that. But like reading that made me go, oh, my dad was telling me, oh, well, this is kind of inspired by the Wolfman Perez run. You want to read that? And my dad is a big comic collector. So I went through his long boxes and I read through the entire new Teen Titans for the first time. And I've been hooked on DC in comic form ever since. So obviously I knew nothing about what we're about to talk uh, just dipping my toes into sure. DC at that point in time. But let's start where else but at the beginning yeah. when the presence created the universe. Now, the presence is kind of and once again, Kevin, feel free to like jump in whatever yeah. you want to in this conversation. It It's getting my cosmology correct because being in seminary right now, I really want to get my theology correct uh, even more than this. But, you know, for the purposes of this, let's the presence is kind of like the Abrahamic God. Mm-hmm. In the sense that he is creator of all things, and obviously DC uh, has not always had Christian writers, so there are plenty of uh, inspirations from Hinduism and uh, Buddhist ideas and Shinto mm-hmm. ideas and Taoist ideas, uh, as well as Native American ideas about what God kind of represents there. So the presence kind of encompasses a lot of that. Typically, when people refer to him, he's got the kind of like the one above all in Marvel, in that he is Christian God, but they apply other things to him. And from there, we get the source, who is, if I remember correctly, the creator of the source wall, which uh, surrounds every universe within the 52 realities, universes that encompass kind of like the DC multiverse. Right. So a big thing, like 52 is a number you'll hear a lot throughout um, DC. And that's exactly like you said, it's there's 52 Earths, um, wait, like alternate versions and like um, and the multiverse, like the concept of it in DC really dates back to, if I'm not mistaken, the first kind of idea of it is the Flash of Two Worlds, um, which yes. like was back in, I'd have to look at what year that came book came out. I have read it. Um, it's a great book. And um, you'll see that come across in the Flash TV show. Um, but that paired up Barry Allen with Jay Garrick. And, uh, and yeah, so there were these um, 52 uh, realities, versions of Earth and um, the known universe that existed within the multiverse. And yeah, the, it ties back to the source wall. Uh, that was the Flash 123 from September 1961. Okay, yep, yeah, that makes sense. Yep, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we have the source, we have the presence. We also have kind of an antithesis and kind of an almost Gnostic sense mm-hmm. of, you know, God, Demiurge, in the f- form of anti-life. Right. Now, Obviously, those of us familiar with Darkseid, one of his big things is going after the anti-life equation. Uh-huh. Now, depending on who's writing, the anti-life is actually a physical being that may have split off from the presence uh-huh. or the source, depending, once again, on who's writing. And Darkseid is seeking to use it to control things and make people complacent. And uh, starting with Jack Kirby, kind of believed humanity kind of had it hidden within our souls or something like that. Uh-huh. So that's there. Uh, anything there's like that? no it's just like the anti like I, I i like how you say it's it depends on kind of the creator and stuff like but it is very yeah. much concept associated with dark side he's always after the anti-life equation but yeah it has taken on different forms and um like anything in comics there's like different eras and there's gonna be reboots and there's and uh we'll get into that later it's like dc is like i love it yeah. um but it is notorious they are notorious for reboots and um so and like yeah. um sometimes kind of just like well, this was a thing back then, but actually we're going to change it completely. You know what I mean? So, um, there, <laughs> That's like, comics. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yep. Uh, you have to, like uh, you mentioned Zdarsky's life story earlier, like without a sliding time scale, you need something like that every now and then to pop up to change things. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Yep. All right. So next up we have as kind of an avatar of the presence's wrath and vengeance, we have the Spectre and Eclipso. Mm-hmm. Now, Spectre showed up in the 40s as a superhero, like in acting, judgment on people, and over time was developed into actually being like the avatar, like I said, the, of God's vengeance. And Eclipso was later retconned in the 90s, if I remember correctly, uh-huh. as being formerly the person before the Spectre who came in the form of God's wrath, who right. eventually became evil. So setting up the dichotomy of the two of them, like how do you feel about that? 
It does. So I don't know as much about Eclipso, um, but yeah, the Spectre is one that's fascinating. I the book I really go back to a lot that um will probably come up in this conversation more too is Kingdom Come by Mark mm. Wade and Alex Ross. Um the Spectre plays Excellent a role in that. It's a great book. And I mean, talk about one that is has is filled with so many ideas and um philosophical statements, religious context. Um and I mean a character in that is actually based off uh Mark Wade's grandfather, I believe, who was a minister. Um and mm. he's sort of like um the um point of view character in that book uh but no the specter i find really fascinating um quick side note too like uh nicholas cage when he's ever ever he's asked which dc or marvel character you play he dodges a question and then eventually comes around to specter uh and like and he would like he would prefer to play it in an animated series but he has said that in interviews before so just i had to throw that in there um but i would love uh, that oh my gosh i think that would be perfect role for him um but yeah, but it, like, I like use it too. Like, it is a really fascinating dichotomy, and I think it provides this interesting lens because I, a lot of times with like the characters like this, you have all the big, you know, heavy hitters like Superman and Batman playing out, and then there's this like, uh, and they know all this multiverse stuff is going on, but then there's these like entities that are in the background, similar to how the Watcher plays out in the Marvel universe. Um, so yeah. I'm always really fascinated by characters like this and uh, how they play into these big epic narratives yeah i've always kind of been drawn to the specter as well in yeah. that i i love the idea of the character like uh, manifesting as god's judgment and vengeance yeah. upon the earth but at the same time you have to ride away to where he doesn't just curb stomp everyone he meets that's not a very interesting story as satisfying right. as it would be to like to see the joker evaporated uh the instant the specter showed up like uh, you still want to have stories with the joker in them so right like, Right. Like, how does that happen? How can God allow certain, that gets into ethical questions. How can God allow evil to spread yet yeah. uh, intervene here, but not there? Exactly. And, and handled with a very good writer. Uh, this is done really well. Sometimes it's done very poorly. And obviously yeah. some of those people have very poor theology themselves. I mean, that's not their fault necessarily. Just we're raised in certain circumstances, not understanding mm-hmm. other biblical concepts like other people would. But I, I've always found that very fascinating of like, God is directly intervening in the superhero world with the specter. Yeah. But where is he allowed to work? Where is he not allowed to work? I also bring up a book real quick. Uh, have you ever read 52, the series? Yes. Not the new, but yeah, but 52. So uh, for listeners, this was a series that um, was done after. So it takes place over an entire year. They like, they had a team of writers and artists, like, so they could put out issues um, like every month. And, have 52 issues go out across like the entire year and it was an entire year without the big trinity of superman wonder woman and batman um and it has all these other characters and what i find really fascinating about the book and the edition i have is in four trades and it, it contains interviews um and footnotes with like dan didio mark wade grant morrison jeff johns um all the like big creators of it and one of the really interesting things is like mark wade and grant morrison talk about their perspectives and like Mark Wade is a very like um, realistic, like just science only kind of like doesn't really have a grasp on the, which is interesting. He says that because he wrote Kingdom Come, but uh, but he likes <laughs> to have like his stuff like more grounded like that. And then he said Grant Morrison is the one who comes in and makes everything wild and like will tackle these big like um, philosophical issues. He tends to go or they sorry they go more into um, Middle Eastern um, philosophies and. Um, mm-hmm. religions but try to bring in nuances from different faiths uh, into their writing and it's that is just a really fascinating book to look at from that perspective well you mentioned grant morrison he's responsible for our next topic of discussion which is Ariel, the angel who joins the justice league in his run that rebooted that uh in the late 90s and this for those who are unaware like I was not either until I got one of those. Oh, what did they call them back in the day? They were the essential guide to the Justice League, like the essential guide to Spider Man and Batman and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it were written in like the late two thousands. At first, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and like this was my introduction to him as a concept, having not read that run. And I did later read that run. A very great run, by the way. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, but that's off topic. <laughs> no, I talk. I mean, well, I, I, you, I don't think you can do a topic like this without bringing up Grant Morrison. Um, they're yes. easily one of the most 
um, just brilliant comic book writers of all time. And uh, they started with books like Animal Man uh, and then and Doom Patrol. And then they've written every big character of the DC Universe. And again, they are really known for um, philosophical takes and, you yes. know, and really exploring the spirituality side of of the DC Universe and looking at it from different angles. Yeah, I find it fascinating, too. The only reason he exists is because Morrison wasn't allowed to use Hawkman at the time mm-hmm. because yeah. he was going through that whole kerfluffle with all of his different origins, like mm-hmm. like contradicting one another. And we had just had Crisis like 10 years earlier and that was supposed to fix all these mistakes. And yet writer after writer came in and said, oh, he's actually uh, a space policeman. No, he's actually no, a reincarnated uh, Egyptian. And no, he's actually Thanagarian and all this stuff. This like, nope, Hawkman's done. Until we can figure out someone who can fix him, you can't put him on Justice League. So he made Zariel instead. And for people who aren't aware of him, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, but you know, here we are, uh, you know, speaking a word I've only ever seen written down. And his idea of Zariel is that he was an angel who was watching over humanity, fell in love with a woman, and gave up his power to be with her. Not all of it, but gave up a lot of his authority because he knew one of the angels he was working with was also about to fall and uh, just didn't want to deal with any of that mess at the time. So he ends up with her. A lot of bad circumstances happen with them. He ends up joining the Justice League. So I like the way to kind of play with uh, the the angelology, and I know that sounds stupid, but that's actually the name given yeah. to it over time. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I, I find it fascinating this whole concept of because obviously in our biblical canon we have fallen angels who once served God, but then we have, depending on how you interpret things, Satan getting sure. them on his side and them falling. But could it be possible even after that for an angel to fall? Is it possible mm-hmm. for an angel to develop feelings and? Uh, for humans, something that is totally separate from him mm-hmm. and for God to allow him to lose his status as an angel to be on mm-hmm. the earth. So that's why I really like looking at him. Do you have anything you want to add to that? No, it is a fascinating question. And I mean, look, like, that's an idea I thought about that. And, um, and I don't know, I mean, I think like, I mean, another book, if you want to really go into um, all like a lot of just crazy and philosophical ideas and stuff is the Sandman, um, of course, mm. from because I mean, if you were like Neil Gaiman, another uh, also one of my favorite writers, but like, um, but I mean, you know, there that book is everything from satire and uh, looking at dreams and spirituality and all this stuff. But um, but it's very much like look, one of the big characters in that is Lucifer, and I find it a really interesting take on it. Um, but yeah. no, I think that's just a really interesting question to ask. Yeah, uh, one thing too, I'm not as familiar with the Sandman as I am with other stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, that Neil Gaiman has done. That Neil Gaiman is one of my favorite writers. Yeah, Man's yeah. very brilliant, but I've never read those runs, so I can't yeah. really speak on them that much. And I did, and also for time's sake, I didn't want to add everything right. else. Oh, I know. Like, I- that cosmology that. as well kind of screws things up. And then like I, you mentioned like uh, Crisis and Infinite Earth. So it's like, could I add the monitor and anti-monitor here too? I could, yeah, but like we'll be here mm-hmm. for two hours. I about to say, I could go on and on about this stuff. So this is just like, I'm throwing out more recommendations to go deeper into some of those. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, getting ahead of the recommendations, always good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So next up on the list I have, are, of course, something you're very interested in and I'm interested in, that being the new gods as well as Apocalypse and Dark Side and all this. We mentioned Dark Side earlier, but where does it come from? You want to go through that? So the new gods, um, like, first of all, my intro to them was uh, in the uh, animated series in Justice League, which is always fascinating that like they bring up characters like that because they never really have an opportunity to really go in deep on the mythology. Um, but they did that, and then they have the – there's the animated movie Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. Um, but anyway – the new gods, so there are the planets Apocalypse um, and New Genesis. And New Genesis is like this heavenly realm um, overseen by uh, High Father. And then Apocalypse is uh, the realm of Darkseid. It is this just like um, hell planet where um, all, like all the, it's all suffering and violence and, um, and fire and decay. And one of the most fascinating parts of the new gods mythology to me is that it's with Mr. Miracle, um, who is um, the son of High Father, and then um, Orion is the son of Darkseid. But they are actually switched um, at like uh, I don't know, I can't remember if it's right at birth or 
necessarily after, but, um, for, but for the was, sake of peace between two worlds, like one father raising yes. the other son. Exactly. So, um, so Mr. Miracle is raised on apocalypse and then Orion is raised on a Genesis. And, uh, if you want a, a really amazing story, if you have not read that you need to right away, um, Tom King and Mitch, Mitch Garrett's Mr. Miracle run goes into depth on that as far as like, um, the introduction covering, um, all of that from the new gods by Jack Kirby. And then um, tells a modern day story um, about Mr. Miracle, but um, but anyway, so that's sort of the gist there. And again, there's like with within Apocalypse and then within New Genesis, there's a bunch of characters on each one. And yeah, again, High like you said, kind of that High Father and uh, um, and Dark Side are engaged in this long standing war, and then at one point they come to peace talks, and that becomes the talk the the terms of their peace trade is that they exchange tons. Um, and, and then eventually dark side is obsessed with the anti-life equation, which as we talked about earlier, means different things depending on the creator, but <laughs> he is definitely the more like satanic big bad of the DC universe, um, hell bent on destroying worlds and, um, ruling over everything. And, um, and has always just been this like terrifying figure, um, in any media. And you also like, uh, and for those who've seen like, the Snyder Cut of Justice League, uh, Steppenwolf um, is his um, top general, is his uncle. And yeah, the, and all of the mythology of the New Gods comes from Jack Kirby. Um, it was what he came to DC with after he left Marvel. And yes. yeah, there are aspects of it where um, it kind of originated with his Thor run. And mm -hmm. it's sort of like what he did, developed New Gods um, to finish like stories that he didn't get to tell um, at Marvel. And so he brought that over and did this, you know, create and um and it had a very limited run back at that time, it was canceled pretty early. Um, and then has brought been brought back here and there since then. Um, but it is really fascinating. There was at one point going to be a new gods movie by Ava DuVernay, um, and written by her and Tom King. Um that unfortunately got shelved, but I would really love to see that at some point. Um, yeah. But yeah. But feel free to add to that. I know I kinda went all over the place there, but but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, you're fine. Uh, if I remember correctly, too, at one point, uh, Jack had gone to Stan and been like, hey, what if we did a kind of like a Ragnarok situation with Thor and had yeah. all of those gods die off yeah. and we have these new gods be introduced instead? That'd be a wonderful concept to be like, we, well, Earth has a history with these, but what if new ones showed up out of this apocalyptic situation? Right. And Stan wasn't into it. I would say ultimately yeah. for the best because of what Thor has done for the Marvel Universe, but like sure. bringing it to D.C., uh, was a masterstroke of genius and introduced a lot of concepts like out of all places in the world, where do you think uh, Darkseid shows up in? In Jimmy Olsen's comic book, not anywhere right? else. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> that was about like when I was just doing some Wikipedia earlier too about the I forgot to mention that. They're like, that was the first issue um, they had their appearance in. And I'm like, wait, am I reading this right? But uh, but that's the, that is the fascinating thing about comics. And, and then what's really cool too is like, yeah, and you're totally right. Is like, yeah, he had other Thor stuff that um, didn't get um, make it in uh, into his run, and then you know he had the falling out, left Marvel, um, did this at DC, eventually came back to Marvel, and he did Eternals, which is like ultimately like uh, the new guy yes. there. So it is fascinating how much back and forth there was, but uh, but oh, the new gods is just such a fascinating, um, very dense mythology, and um, some of his best work uh, in terms of his art um there especially uh but yeah it, but it well and like, i mean yeah it was introduced in superman's pal jimmy olsen and <laughs> my first in my first introduction was in the justice league animated series so yeah. you know like any of those characters well let's get into some more little g gods by going into the greek gods who of course are very important to the mythos and origin of wonder woman uh you have the greek gods like breathing life into clay that hippolyta makes mm -hmm. uh to have a daughter and uh, imbuing different aspects of themselves, like some of what would come to Shazam, Captain Marvel as well. Mm -hmm. I hate that we can't say Captain Marvel now. I know like Marvel should have that title more, but I've always called him Captain Marvel. So I, that's just me being. It's a hard, right? No, I know. It's a hard. And there's a whole history there too. But yeah. Yeah. But uh, for them, like, how, what do you think of how they're portrayed within DC and all that? And we'll get into the other questions I have in a bit. I mean, I think the Greek gods fit perfectly into the DC universe because a lot of the mythology is based on them anyway. And, um, and with Wonder Woman, yeah, I mean, we've seen it in the movies and everything. And, um, and with the Amazon 
um, culture, a lot of that borrows from that mythology. So I like when you see actual ones um, show up there. I think it fits right in. Um, I've said this before, but like, you know, Marvel is very much like um, ordinary humans becoming gods. And then um, DC is, but not always, but for a lot of it, it's like, um, is like gods living among humans. And so um, to actually bring in actual Greek gods into that universe, I think it fits really well. And they're, uh, and um, there's just such a correlation there. Oh, absolutely. And like, I, Honestly, if there is one pantheon out there, almost everyone at least knows something about it's Greek mythology. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh And then maybe Norse mythology would be next. And after Uh that, it kind of gets like up in the wind of, you know, uh, where you're going to be looking for. Maybe Egyptian mythology, Uh some people would know, but Uh I wouldn't expect too much out of that. Yeah. But so like it's the same thing like with what Stan and Lee uh, excuse me, Stan and Lee, Stan and Jack did in Marvel with Thor. Like a lot of people, not everyone knew about the Norse gods, but it, most people knew enough. Uh-huh. But for the Greek gods, like all, everyone pretty much knows. You know Zeus who they and are. you know Hades and yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we mentioned this hodgepodge of all these different mythologies and we have the presence and the specter and all that mess. Like uh, I asked this question for you, like uh, somebody also writes as well, like how important is it for a shared universe to have its cosmology make sense. Um, he said asking think, about comics. It's a, it's a, <laughs> they ask about comics and asking about DC. Interesting question there. But um, honestly, it's it matters more to the individual story you're trying to tell. Um, because like like we said earlier, I mean, DC, especially, um, it, we, it, there's jokes that it reboots like every few years. Um, and yeah. that's not, you know, without, um, that's not entirely untrue. Um, but, uh, but like, like for instance, I go back to kingdom calm or I go back to, um, the new God stuff. So if you have, it has to make sense in the context of the story. So if you're basing it off, um, a specific narrative or a specific mythology, you just have to everything, have that all correlate, but there's no way you're going to make sense of the entire origin of the universe, the cosmology, if you look at it as a whole, because there are, um, changes and over the year, I mean, something, for instance, Christ's on Infinite Earths, we, um, like I mentioned earlier, um, this was a big cataclysmic event by Wolfman and Perez in the 80s where they ended the multiverse um, to, yes. because they wanted to consolidate everything into one universe instead. And they killed off major characters like um, Flash and Supergirl and um, any comic. I mean, I, I always wonder what it was like. The, I mean, I know people talk about it, but like for fans of the time, like were they... Did any of them actually believe Barry Allen was going to stay dead or like, um, or Supergirl, you know, like, um, I'm sure it was heartbreaking at the time, but uh, like, um, now it's just like, it's hard to take any comic characters death seriously. But beyond that, you know, they did that. And now here we are years later, the multiverse is back and, um, really a bigger concept than ever before. Um, so I like, again, as a whole, no, I don't need to make it to make complete sense, but more with the individual, your story you're trying to tell. I would say, um, yeah, you have to have like some linear thread there. I'll agree with that. Bringing up the death thing just makes me think of what just happened to Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. Right. I and mean, like, like not even a month after we have a new uh, like announcement, she's going to be in a new book and she's going to be a mutant this time, guys, for the MCU synergy. It's like, can you not, if you're going to have this happen, it was handled so poorly to begin with, but you're going to do it, do it well. Do it well. And also like the writer who, I mean, you mentioned Wells earlier, but like the writer who <laughs> killed her off, you know, in a Spider-Man book of all places, he's also yes. a co- he's a co-screenwriter of the Marvels movie, which comes out in like November. So it's like, I mean, it was just a like, I mean, it's just so pointless because like everyone knows you're going to revive her right away, and it was just kind of a cheap, senseless thing, you know. So yeah, yeah that's all. Yeah. Yeah, but staying on topic, which I'm horrible at, so thanks for indulging me. Don't worry, <laughs> I, I go on tangents all the time. <laughs> uh, for me, it's. You would think it would be easy if you were alone uh-huh. to stay, have your universes you create be consistent. But I forget things sometimes. Sure. If I don't, if I don't reread a book that I've written and I start writing something and go, wait a minute. Oh, I said this in the last book. I can't say this in the sequel. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they're incompatible with each other. So I have to change things. So it's hard enough for me to do it on my own. But I also, uh-huh. uh, one of my good friends, uh, John, who also works with me in the Starving Writers Guild, he uh, he and I have a lot of shared crossover stuff. Uh-huh. Like at this point in time, it's more hints towards each other's stuff. And eventually that's going to build up to other things along the way, hopefully. But 
to keep things consistent between the two of us is difficult because even with two people involved, you got to make sure things are tight. You got to make sure, well, this character uh, was introduced here and not here. This character said this here and not here. So they can't refer to a conversation that hasn't happened yet, even with time travel. You know, it kind of <laughs> it messes things up. Yeah. So with a, with a shared universe like DC and its cosmology, like obviously it's important to keep it as consistent as possible. But I, I try to show a little grace yeah. when you have hundreds upon hundreds of writers over since 1938 all the way to the present day. We're just shy of 100 years by a decade a little over a decade uh-huh. and like i said just extend some grace their way like but uh-huh. that's what editors are for right right and if you have a really good editor they'll spot something and they'll point it out but also they have to deal with almost 100 years of history too so you're gonna forget things along the way that and like story things evolve and like pretty good with dc and marvel i mean yeah like you said you're dealing with that many decades of history the story should take precedence over continuity um meaning that you know, if you're so obsessed with like this making sense and tying back to an issue that came out 30 years ago, like, but it interrupts the story you're trying to tell. I think the story you're trying to tell, and if that makes sense, that's more important because I get, like we've said with comics, it's not a linear medium um, as a whole. Like there's, and there's reboots and there's resets and everything. Um, so I, yeah, I, w- I like, and I, that's why I can't imagine working on an in-continuity book, like, because there is so much back as you get to, like, that's what I love about a story like Spider-Man life story, where it's this self-contained, um, really pivotal narrative that pulls from all the continuity, but does its own take and tells instead of grounded linear story. Um, so I, and, and that's what I like about DC a lot too, is they they allow for alternate takes on stuff and they have black label and they have, um, you know, books that are self-contained where you just get to enjoy that story apart from any continuity. Yeah, Elseworlds and all that. Like, yes, exactly. It's a perfect way of like, I have this idea, it doesn't fit in, but let's put it somewhere else. Exactly, yeah. All right, so we mentioned a lot of DC stuff, and you can add something we haven't brought to as well for this yeah. question. Like, is there any part of DC's wild and weird cosmology that particularly interests you, Kevin? Um, I mean, kind of all the things I said, but like, there's also another story I wanted to mention too that um, you can find on, I've mentioned that I co-host the Wednesday Lounge podcast on the show before, which it's kind of on indefinite hiatus, but we did an episode a while ago on a book called Cosmic Odyssey, which uh, Mike Mignola um, illustrated. And that is a fascinating book that um, really is just a fun one that kind of pulls in different characters and um, brings in some new gods and it brings in like Batman and, um, and members of the Justice League. Um, I can't even off the top of my head, like really remember the narrative exactly, but, uh, but I talk about in depth on that episode. Um, So I like ones like that that merge aspects of the new gods with the main DC universe um, and kind of all over. But I'm really fascinated with in different areas of all that. I like looking at the origins, um, how DC connects to different existing mythologies and kind of cultivates their own. Uh, So I really like kind of all over, but particularly new gods, particularly, um, yeah, something like the Spectre. Um, And then I know the Sand, well, the Sandman does like, exist within the dc universe i know people don't really think of it like that but it is like it's a vertigo book that um takes place within that um universe and there you see characters like constantine and we didn't even mention yes. constantine i'll talk about another yeah, one yes. then. Um, uh, not, like, yeah, I mean, if we can't even put him like here dark. oh my god yeah yeah right we'd be here for hours <laughs> <laughs> that's another but one i deliberately didn't put on here not that we couldn't talk about him at all but like to me a main focus of the conversation like we did a what if yeah. episode uh, on what if Constantine became uh, a professor at Hogwarts. And I had a lot of fun Ooh. with that one. So if you want my feelings that on one. him, go there. Um, I will check it out. Yeah. Uh, so for me, like obviously Constantine aside, because he's pretty dang cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Spectre, obviously, like I'm very attracted to that idea for a character. Uh, definitely coming, coming from a uh, you know Christian background of, how does God display his vengeance on the world and how is that different from his wrath? And yeah. that's why I kind of like the retcon about Eclipso being his wrath formerly. It, it's not always handled well, but like the, the idea I like, but then yeah. we see the specter like interacting with normal people in the day. And I like those stories too. I can't think of one off the top of my head for the life of me, but of him just intervening in some no one, nobody's life. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But it means the world because God looks over that person just as much uh-huh. as he does for Batman or Superman. Right. 
or anyone else. Um, I've also, I really enjoy how people, what their takes are for like a supreme being. Obviously I'm coming from a very conservative way of looking at God Mm -hmm. and all that mess. And it's always very interesting to me to see someone who doesn't view him in the same lens, someone who would also claim him as their savior. Like Mm -hmm. that's so cool to me to, to Mm -hmm. see where they're coming from, but then also to see from a more secular background, like in comics, like you're not going there for your theology for the most part. Right. Right. But it, nonetheless, I think it gives you an empathy and a respect for um, different viewpoints and different backgrounds yes. that helps us all understand each other better. Absolutely. And there was one thing I wanted to talk about. I, I was trying to think it was a specific story. Oh, um, it was that arrow, uh, arrow era of Shadow Pact, I think was the group's name. Okay. Uh, it was like a bunch of magic users in DC. This was like maybe the late 2000s, maybe early 2010s, if I remember correctly. And it's them fighting against a specter who's been kind of possessed and just trying to destroy magic because he sees magic as evil uh, after being under the influence of something else. It's been so long since I read the story, but I really enjoyed their take there. Okay, I'll check that out. I don't know that one, but I'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was right before the new 52. Okay. I, I, I'd have to look it up. I'll, like I said, my DC knowledge only extends so far. Sure, sure. Yeah, as much as I love this property, like there, there's some obvious like periods I don't know anything about. Well, I mean, and there's so much to explore and you bear, like we're barely not even tapping the uh, scratching the surface with like oh, yeah. this episode and same with the Marvel one. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, how could you? With Like we said before, oh. decades long worth of comics yeah. and movies and yeah. spinoffs and all that. Yeah. So all that in mind, like what can we as Christians learn from how the DC universe is composed of these multiple different philosophies, mythologies, and religions held within its own universe? Well, I think it goes back to the idea that like, regardless of your background, a lot of us are asking the same questions and mm. um, trying to understand it better. And um, I don't think any of us have all the answers, but we're all trying to like, thinking about these concepts and whether it's um, someone who has like no kind of religious or philosophical background um, or um, someone that does, there's, yeah, this idea that we're all trying to understand each other and understand the world. And you can very much do that through um, fiction and through a big, you know, superhero universe like this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just had a thought, which I just shared with Kevin uh, on our uh, recording here. So if you want to know what that thought is, you can join us at uh, Captivate, sending, I believe, even a one-time tip to see these special extra questions that we do for the audience. So just to uh, you know, heighten up your suspense there of what it could possibly be, head that way. And you know, if you feel led to, send a little cash our way without hurting yourself. I will add that. So uh, to answer your, this question here, like at your point there, if, like we're all searching for those answers and comics as a medium is somewhere we can do that. like. I mean, who doesn't love an illustration uh-huh, of uh-huh. something like, I mean, I love reading, but I also love seeing something too. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's why I watch movies. That's why I read comics and manga and watch anime and all that stuff. In addition to reading, you know, a 500 plus page book. It's like, cause I'd love to see my thoughts poured onto the page from someone else who's thinking through the same things I am. Uh-huh. And we see people exploring like, uh, Morrison, we mentioned him a couple of times, his whole concept of hyper time and how that affects the multiverse as a whole. Uh-huh. And like his uh, his way of seeing dark side as this person who can seek after the anti-life. But what does he mean? What does that mean? What is anti-life compared to what we have? Uh-huh. And you can argue whether or not the equation thing that he does come up with is a good thing. I think ultimately, yes, because. It's one of those things, if you're going to have to have an answer, make it as good as possible. Yeah. And Morrison, I think, for the most part, does. But yeah, that whole thing of like, where do we come from? Who should I look up to? Is there a God? And if there is a God, is he looking after me? Is he going to be like Zeus and, you know, going after every woman he can come across and all these terrible things? And yet I'm supposed to worship him. Or is he supposed to be this loving God? But at the same time, can that loving God allow evil to occur in the world? Can he allow the specter to be held back and prevent a war, even though terrible things are going to happen as a result of that war? Or a specter I mentioned earlier, can he can the specter kill the Joker? And wouldn't the world be better off if the Joker didn't exist? But like, well, sure, that sounds good to us. But God sees something a little higher than us. He sees a little beyond that. And 
I think one thing we can learn there, even from a secular writer, is that concept of we don't understand the totality of time, uh-huh. but God in the situation does. I think that, and I just find like some of the biggest characters in the DC universe so compelling for that reason. And like, I mean, I'll, I, I just want to like dwell on the Superman notion for a minute of like, you know, the constant criticism of Superman is like, oh, he's so boring, oh, he's so irrelevant, and all that. And like, I know this is gonna like, don't tweet at me here, but like, I am not. <laughs> I, so. I'm not a fan of the boys. I've tried multiple times and I just, you got a fan right here. So like, so, and it's the thing, it's weird because I do like a lot of darker superhero stories, but one thing that bugs me about it is that it's so embraced today as this like, it's like, no, this is how Superman would be. And like, I'm like, okay, this is one take on it, but I get annoyed that people can't accept the idea of, someone just being good for the sake of it not that he's not flawed and he's not going to make mistakes and but like people just can't accept that there it would be there's this character who with power he actually uses it well and he actually can be a symbol of hope and does this and he's trying to fight for the little guy and um be this symbol and that's what i love so much about my adventures with superman but that's just my two cents i wish more people were watching my adventures superman and uh, like as much as they were watching the boys but yeah uh, but that's just my take um and but that's what i love about dc and i love about the uh, universe is like you can have those themes exhibited by um the big characters like that and also um explored in depth through new gods and um some of these lesser known entities Oh, yeah. Uh, let me clarify. I mean, a fan of what Kevin said, not a fan of the boys. I am not <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination a fan of the boys. I love my superheroes. You can have some your darker types. And like sure. speaking of that, like like I don't care for the authority. OK, yeah. but I just read a story in Action Comics, which is the only thing I'm caught up with in D.C. that is running currently where Superman brings the authority to World World and his whole journey of being a good influence on them to protect people and him fighting against Mongol in this sense, this senseless world of barbarous uh, barbarians and just fighting and slaughtering each other. And the only way you go gain something in life is to kill someone else. But Superman doesn't. And to see his effect on people there, that that is the uh-huh. Superman. I love this right, altruistic right. person raised by Ma and Pa Kent uh-huh. to love others, to protect them. You're stronger than them. Don't rule uh-huh. that over them. Look after them because they yeah. need someone like you. Yeah. That's why I come to these comics. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Sure. We could argue all day long. Like there are plenty of people if they got superpowers in this world would act like oh, Homelander yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah. what have you. Right, sure. Right. I know that for a fact. That's sure. why I go to comics for sure. someone who does the right thing the right with thing. those same yeah, powers. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And again, I do. I mean, I like a lot of like horror and Indian stuff and all this stuff, but it's just weird that that's just one. Exa- I just, yeah, I, uh, I don't want to say that just to be controversial because I know a lot of people love that show, but, um, <laughs> but it's just like, um, and it, and there are a lot of good things about it, but I'm just like, I've struggled to get into it for that reason. It's just like, I, um, when it's like, uh, the idea that it's just entirely cynical and everyone, and I'm like, yeah, I just, I like there to be hope within superheroes. And, and again, you can still have conflicts within that. I mean, there are, um, like, I mean, probably one of the best is, but Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, um, classic Green Lantern, Green Arrow run that um, observes like a um, conservative and liberal values mm, um, add on yes. each other. And like, so you can still do all of that. You can still have those themes explored. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, you can also have characters that are inherently hopeful and, um, and that's not a flaw, you know? Yeah. And I know it's to be for Kevin here too. Like we're not bashing the boys. It's just not no, for no. us. And exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of people enjoy it. It's great. It's just like, uh, but that's just the reason why I've, I've tried a couple of times and I haven't been able to get into it. Yeah. I understand completely. Like I want my Superman to be the big boy, uh, blue boy scout. I yeah. want my Batman to be, you know, the shadow in Gotham working in yeah. the night, but not also an unhinged lunatic who is one right. step away from murdering people. Right. Like, right. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's all good. But Kevin, is there anything else you want to add for our cosmology section here for DC? No, this has been a really great discussion, and um, it's it's definitely one that like oh we could easily go on for hours and um, more recommendations. But hopefully, listeners out there have gotten something out of it, and um, and come away with some recommendations too. Yes. Well, speaking of, we've listed like fifty recommendations already. Yeah, right. I know. Do you want to go for another one? I think about anything I haven't said. I mean, definitely. Watch it doesn't have adventures. to be about this. It could be anything yeah, yeah, else. Yeah. Definitely watch my adventure in Superman. Uh, see Barbie and Oppenheimer. I love both. Like I did, okay. I did, I did the Barbenheimer weekend this uh, weekend, and um, 
two very different movies, but um, I'm a big proponent of the theatrical experience, and I love that. Um, I I don't know when this is going to happen again because of the actors and writers' strike right now. Um, like, <laughs> uh, but I do love that there are two um, movies that are original. Yes, one is based on um, technically an IP, and another is based on um, a historical figure. But nonetheless, like not big sequels, not big like franchise properties, but two like really original from two innovative filmmakers um, that really resonated with audiences. Um, and I really enjoyed both again for different reasons. One, Barbie is very uh, wildly entertaining and also has really brilliant commentary in there. And then Oppenheimer is a heavy philosophical um, <laughs> character study, uh, but it is brilliant. I think it's one of Christopher Nolan's best. Um, so see both of those movies. I think, yeah, sure, we'll go in that same vein. Uh, for those of you who are very interested in the history behind uh, the research with the atomic bomb and how we okay. came there and the story behind some of Oppenheimer, if – and once again, this is for a more mature audience. I'll put it that way. Uh, no little kids watch uh, listening to the last podcast on the left's coverage of uh, the uh, nuclear – excuse me, the atomic bomb and its research and – the after effects it had on Japan as a whole and how we tried to justify certain things. I speak this as someone who is feels it was justified the first time around and then the second time, probably not as much. So uh, you have opinions on those. Let us know too uh, as well. So thank you guys for listening in on this episode. If you have a chance, just uh, leave us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice. Just help us with the ratings and to find more people. Like uh, we just had a meeting the other day where we are on track to have our highest uh, new listener month ever. Uh, and you guys have been doing way beyond our wildest expectations, sharing the show with other people. We're highly appreciative of that. Keep doing that. Like, we're not here without you. So thank you for all the hard work you do and in introducing the show to everyone else as well. And for listening and leaving us reviews and let us know what you're geeking out on as well. Be sure to let us know on our Facebook group or Discord or YouTube or and if you have the goal as well to join us on Patreon or just help us out on Captivate, you can do that as well. But before all that, remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.